Aloha, everyone. This is Indar, and I'm your Hawaii Money Guy. I have a pleasure, pleasure to today to speak with Mike. I was just on his podcast, and now he's on mine. He's a, an excellent person to just talk to and get to know. Uh, an agent he has uh, rental portfolios, and he's into other businesses as well. And uh, a great podcast as well. A great podcast and great social media. Uh, so he's an influencer out there, too. Uh, which is kind of cool to say, honestly. I think I get to almost, I think I claim it now. I got 10,000, <laughs> but um, he's a great guy. And I'm just excited to talk story with him today. And we're going to talk some high level stuff and some basic stuff. So stay tuned, you guys. Let's get ready and let's do this. Just before we get started, I'd love it if you guys could subscribe below. And that way we can reach more people and just help people make their money work for them in any different way we can. Thank you guys. And let's get started in today's content. Let's dive in today. So Mike, you want to give a little bit of a background about yourself, maybe how you grew up or, and uh, where you're at today? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll try not to to go too long. I've, I've got some uh, little tidbits here I'll share with you. I'm I'm originally from Long Island, New York, and uh, I joined the Navy when I was 17, excuse me, 17 years old, mm -hmm. and I served for 20 years. Uh, I wound up out here in Hawaii uh, towards the end of that, and uh, this this is where I'm calling home. Uh, my, my family and I, we really love it out here. Um, my experience in the military has helped me out greatly with um, with having goals and ambition in life and, and just uh, learning how to go out there and crush my goals because... While I was still in, um, there was a couple of things I started doing on the side. I started getting involved in real estate. I got my real estate license. Um, I've started and closed quite a few businesses, uh, including mm -hmm. a new one that I just started. Um, but I also do uh, financial coaching and I host a, a podcast, which has been very awesome, a, a really fun uh, thing for me to do. And I get to talk to really awesome people like you. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been a real blast. Uh, but that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Um, yeah. The, well, the podcast is called average Joe's guys. And it's, it's pretty it cool. Podcast. He's, he's got some cool guests on there. And um, I was lucky enough to be a guest on there as well. Um, he's so booked up. I think it's, you said it was like four months out before. So he's got yeah. some high level grass. He's had Brandon on there. Brandon Turner, he's had some great, uh, great people on there. Um, so how did you get started in real estate in general? Sure. Uh, so when I was younger, my, my uncle uh, was investing in real estate, right? He lived in upstate New York. I'm on Long Island. So it's about six hours away, like six hour difference of where we live. But every now and then when the family would get together, uh, I would ask him about it. And I'd be like, you know, hey, what, why are you buying these properties and, and, you know, what's, what's the kind of the end game with this. Uh, and this is when I was a young teenager and he would tell me, he's like, you know, uh, he worked for the state of New York as a corrections officer. And he said, you know, eventually one day I want to retire and, uh, you know, my, my pension might not be enough. So I said, okay, so that's, that's cool. And he's like, I want to retire and then drive around between the first and the fifth in a tank top and pick up uh, rental checks. I said, all right. So, I mean, that sounds good enough to me. And then, you know, the other part of it was, he said, you know, if, if he ever needed like large sums of cash, he could either borrow, uh, you know, pull some equity out or he can sell one of his assets. And I was just like, this is, this is pretty neat. So that, that bug was always in the back of my head. Right. So fast forward, um, I became an accidental landlord back in uh, 2009 timeframe because I, I bought a home in 2007 and uh, we all know what happened the very next year, right? So obviously, um, being in the military, I PCS'd and I moved. 
and I couldn't sell the property. So I wound up renting it out. And, you know, during that time frame, I was actually losing uh, about 350 to $400 a month uh, net loss every month uh, because I just couldn't rent it for the amount that I was paying in my mortgage. Right. And by doing that, uh, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and I wound up having to short sell that property back in 2012. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know if real Wait, estate's for me anymore. Let's back that up. What was the process sure, sure. like buying your first house using that VA loan and, and any military yes. guys out there, they should take advantage. Why? Why? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was, I was 21 going on 22 years old, young E5 in the Navy, uh, on my recruiting tour and I uh, had the opportunity to use my VA loan and buy this home, you know, 0% down, um, nothing out of pocket. It was my first time using it. So the VA funding fee was like very, very low and uh, like 1.2% or something like that. Now, now when I use it, it's like 3.3% or 3.4%. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, as you subscribe, but no money, use down. It, no money down. It's like a free house. Yeah. Like, yeah. So absolutely zero down. And uh, that, so that was pretty nice. So I was able to do everything, get the loan, buy the house. And the only thing I had to do was start paying a mortgage the, the next month. Um, mm-hmm. So that was neat. Uh, there was no, like my closing costs all got rolled into it on the back end. So it, it worked out pretty nice. Um, and at the time I thought it was, you know, the best thing th- since sliced bread. I, <laughs> I didn't know about the real estate market. I wasn't paying attention to any of that stuff. Um, I wasn't a real estate investor, so I didn't really know like what to look for. I just saw that this was a relatively newer home and uh, thought, you know, thought it was something good to get into. But uh, again, um, I, I can get into all that, how I, um, mm-hmm. you know, how I wound up getting back into real estate. But yeah, that, that whole experience of having to short sell it was, was pretty rough for me uh, as a, as a young guy in the Navy, not making that much. Um, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, uh, kind of, kind of was painful because I short sold it for, I paid, I bought it for 250,000. Right. And mm-hmm. I thought I was getting a great deal, right? Because they were asking 269. I was like, I'll pay 250 and you guys pay closing costs. They're like, okay. And um, I wound up short selling it for 157,000. Really? Oh, geez. The market yeah. corrected itself. And... Well, yeah, that was, and that was in 2012, but this was after the 2008, 2009 crash. Well, what's it the lesson? never recovered. What's the lessons you learned from that? I'm curious. Uh, so, you know, probably the, probably the biggest thing is that, you know, if I would have held on to it, honestly, um, mm-hmm. just a couple more years, you know, I think uh, right now it's currently worth about 400,000, that property, or actually <laughs> maybe closer to 500,000 right now. <laughs> um, but in that particular neighborhood, if I would have held it at least to like 2017, mm-hmm. I would have got all my money back. Um, the, the issue was for me is instead of uh, continuing to try to find another renter, um, I just decided to just let it go because um, I wanted to keep my family together. I didn't want to keep paying a mortgage and pay for the rent where we lived at in Virginia Beach. It just mm-hmm. was not sustainable. So I wound up uh, taking, I guess, the easy road out and just short selling it. And because of my VA loan guarantee, uh, I didn't have to come out of pocket with that at all. I just possibly was at risk of losing my VA loan guarantee unless I pay the difference. But actually, I want to tell you something pretty neat that happened. Mm-hmm. is when I did everything, the lender that I used did not file the paperwork on time. They literally filed it one day too late. <laughs> so when I called the VA to check on my eligibility, I actually had my full eligibility, but there was a flag on my record because of the short sale. But mm-hmm. when they went in there, they said, oh, the lender filed this too late. 
they did not get, we did not pay them. Um, and they just had to take that loss. You still have your VA loan. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah I, I, somebody was looking out for me, man. <laughs> yeah, one day. So. <laughs> That's interesting. But, uh, the VA, it's such a great way to people for people to get houses. And I, I have a buddy out there who's yeah. bought a bunch of houses with his VA loan. And, um, I think a lot of military people don't realize they need to take advantage of that. And uh, absolutely. I mean, it costs you nothing. And you buy that asking, you know, my, my trick would be to say they wanted, you know, 500,000 for the house. I would offer 600,000 with no appraisal clauses. Then you look cool. Like you are way above asking, but they will only sell what appraises that, you know, and again, it costs you nothing. And you come in with the highest yeah. offer to get it. So it's, it's a cool it's a cool trick to use and, and of course they accumulate wealth and i you know i like the fact that you said that yes it would have went up in value because i was at a conference the other day and uh, the first thing that came out in the conference in the intro it was david green and he said uh, you always look smart when you buy real estate and hold it for 30 years in in the lifespan of a long term of real estate you just look smart like you you never look like you bought wrong because um yeah so what happens in real estate in 30 years. If you, have, if you have that intent to hold it for the entire time of the loan, I mean, guess what? You're, you're going to be sitting pretty happy uh, at the end of that term anyway. Yeah. I, you know, real estate or even even your primary residence can be one of the best retirement plans you can, you can set mm -hmm. up for yourself, mm -hmm. right? Because you could sit here and work in a career field for 30 years and then have a home at the end of it that's, you know, owned free and clear. Mm -hmm. And that home is worth more than your pension. So, you know, it just... It just depends on um, you know, you know I, how, I how you look at it. Sinner talking about that. I see it so much people with local people I grew up with is that their houses are free and clear from their family who's bought it. And then they get passed down. And now, you know, I have a friend who lives and rents out, I think one or two different sides of the houses. And uh, he lives off of that extra income because again, the house is free and clear. Yep. I think it's an, it's almost on the water. It's probably two or 3 million, whatever it's worth. Um, but it's passed down from his family and uh, he just lives off of that, which is, I think so many different Hawaii people have it uh, that way where we're, we, we get these homes passed down and, you know, obviously that's all our goals, goals for our kids, right. <laughs> to pass well, it in, in the, in the right market, like Hawaii, for example, you know, that, that one property that you pass down to your kids could be enough to really start that generational wealth trend that so many people want to do. You know, everybody wants their kids to come up in this world with more than they had and, and, and you know, live a, live a more comfortable life than they lived. I know that's, mm -hmm, that's mm -hmm. what I, my yeah. goal is. I want to yeah. know that my kids are set mm -hmm, when I leave mm -hmm. this, this earth and that my grandkids and so on and so forth, like that they're going to be okay. And, and that's yeah. my goal is to build that generational wealth and, mm -hmm. You know, and real estate is just one of the most perfect ways to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's one of those vehicles that stand the test of time. But um, let's talk about you know you're kind of the first your first agent I've had on the podcast as well, and uh, and you have a great following, a great social media presence. What's it like being an agent, and how was it when you first were growing your podcast and, and your social media? presence you know what was that obviously it's a stumbling blocks at the beginning but what do you see that was really working back then when you first start growing 
Sure. So when I, when I first got my license, uh, I was still active duty in the Navy, which I, I still technically am until this December, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even though don't, don't let the beard fool you. I'm just on my transition <laughs> terminal leave right now, right? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, so I got my license uh, about two years, two, two years and a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was doing just referrals, which was, which was really nice because, you know, while I was still active duty, mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't really serve my clients the the way that I should be able to while I'm still 100% active dude I just felt like I didn't want to be the guy that you were always leaving a voicemail and hoping he get back to you you know I just didn't want to be that guy so what I would do is anybody that reached out to me that needed help and they were looking for properties I would pass them off to somebody on my team um and you know the the beautiful part about that is they would get them squared away and taken care of and I would get this nice um you know referral fee uh, out here in Hawaii, it's uh, it's like what a regular commission would be back on the mainland. <laughs> yeah, that's and it true. was just for giving a name. How much right? were you which, getting? Like 25 percent, or what? Yeah, twenty five percent of their yep. commission. So I'd, yep. I'd get these referral fees that were like three, four, five grand, um, which you know, and all I had to do was give a name, which for one, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, for two, uh, you know, it, I was able to start building a network, um, other agents that I knew. Um, you know, back on the mainland, especially in like highly concentrated military areas. And that was kind of my focus because, you know, people are coming and going from Hawaii to Hawaii and uh, they're going to these other areas as well. So that way, if I knew somebody that was going there and they're going to buy, I pass them off to another agent. You know, let's say they're going to San Antonio or they're going to Norfolk, Virginia or San Diego. And I'd pass them off to a real estate agent there. And that's another opportunity to get a referral um, mm -hmm. check, right? So that's that's one of the biggest things that I thought was really cool about you know getting my license. The other piece of that was actually learning how to do it and learning how to use the MLS and just learning how the real estate market here in particular works. Um, as an from an investor standpoint, I felt like it kind of it kind of gave me a leg up, right? Because I kind of got to see you know the the inner workings of the real estate market. So. Um, you know, it, it made me feel more comfortable with what my goals were, what my ambitions were with real estate and how it realistically is such a great, you know, uh, asset class to to invest in. Um, so getting your license, you know, even if it's just to do referrals is a great way to to one learn. But two, also, you know, get a little side income yeah, as well and start yeah. building that network. So when you do go full time, which I just I just started going full time, um, you've already got some really good established, uh, you know, networking in place um, and you're known uh, in the community. Yeah, I mean, that's it's so hard just to even start off being an agent and finding your first first point. I'm not an agent, but uh I know the struggle of obviously that start off out of anything. How did, how did it all correlate to once you got into your podcast and how did that kind of develop and how, how did you grow your, your podcast and social media and all that side yeah, of it? All? So, you know, my, my podcast kind of started off slow and, and the podcast itself is, is about, you know, just finances in general. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the most part, you know, most of the people that come on, like we talk about real estate because it is one of the best asset classes out there. Right. Sure. Uh, but it started off as me kind of talking about my journey on, you know, to to reaching financial independence mm -hmm. and, what you know, how I, I got out of debt. And it started off, you know, as a blog where I talked about that. And then a buddy of mine said, hey, 
why don't you start a podcast? I know you like to talk. You're from New York. You like to talk. Just start a podcast. I said, okay, yeah. fine. Twist my arm. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I did. Right. I started the podcast. And, you know, for the first six months, it was kind of really slow. I would maybe like have 20 people listening to the show. And I didn't really think about it this way, but now I do. I look back at it and I say, you know, 20 people in a room is like a classroom, right? Mm -hmm you can really impact some people. If you have 20 people sitting in front, of you, you can impact just one person. Mm -hmm. And for me, that became my goal is I want to impact one person. Mm -hmm. I want, I want my podcast to help one person. And if it does that, I feel like I did a service, right? So I kind of decided to stop caring so much about putting so much effort into it and start delegating stuff out and outsourcing. Uh, so about six months into it, I hired an editing team I let them kind of take care of it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to kind of start backing off of this a bit because I am putting too much time into it for what I feel like is very little return. Once I started doing that and, uh, you know, allowing them to create these different snippets and stuff that I started sharing on social media, I started to notice a climb in my downloads and, and mm. listens. Um, I also switched podcast hosts. I switched from Anchor, which was a free host to Buzzsprout, which is a paid one, but it got me on more platforms. Mm. So now you can find Average Joe Finances anywhere that you can find a podcast. I'm even on iHeartRadio and Pandora, right? So it, that that was pretty cool. And it, it started exposing me to, to other avenues, right? Then I hired a virtual assistant and I let my virtual assistant take over all my social media stuff. And I started to watch my social media grow, right? Um, by doing this, you know, I was able to... Um, you know, eff effectively grow my podcast listenership. Um, I started a YouTube channel. Now my YouTube channel isn't as many subscribers or followers as my podcast, but you know, I'm, I'm up to about uh, 16, 20 or something like that right now, uh, which on YouTube is, is enough to be monetized. Right. Yeah, and I think over a thousand, over a thousand, yeah. you get monetized. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I make a little bit from that as well, uh, which is, which is pretty cool. And uh, it's not something I ever pictured, uh, being able to do with a podcast. Now my podcast itself has grown to the point where I can actually take on people that want to run ads on my show. Uh, mm -hmm. And I do that. And now my podcast is another source of income. Uh, it pays for itself. It pays for my VA. It pays for my editing service. So I'm not paying for any of that out of my personal account anymore. That is all mm -hmm. paid for by the podcast, which was to me is pretty cool. Like even just breaking even to me, I thought was like one of the most <laughs> biggest accomplishments I could have had with this podcast. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the other, the other side of it too, that I, I haven't really talked about too much that I, and I never really counted as podcast income, but I should, is I've gotten financial coaching clients through it and I've gotten mm -hmm. real estate clients through it. So mm -hmm, it's, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's pretty neat. You know, people moving here to Hawaii saying, Hey, Mike, I've heard your podcast and I heard you're a real estate agent. Can you help me out? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's do this. Right. Um, you know, or even people going to, I, I have people that I'm working with right now in other States that I'm referring to other agents I know in those States and they're reaching out to me because they heard me on my podcast. On your podcast so, yeah. so that that's, that's pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool that you're able to it's really like you're cultivating a relationship and you're building trust with people without ever actually meeting them. And, and that's the whole reasoning behind that. You know, my podcast too, is just to build relationships with people that I wouldn't normally be able to, you know, in, meet with, like, how am I going to meet that person in general? And it's so interesting as you would say now, like you get a, a lot of random people, 
that, hey, I listened to you, I've heard you, and thank you. Um, it's pretty cool when people say that kind of stuff because uh, you feel like you've impacted people. And uh, I mean, that's kind of a cool, cool feeling. I've actually read that in my yeah. book this morning. One of our goals in life is to, you know, give back and to help others out. And um, it, it's it's cool to be able to do that. What are some of your uh, learning curves that or struggles you you've had when you're developing, growing, and because it, it, you, it's not as easy as people make it seem like it is. Obviously, right. it takes some, it takes a lot of stamina, some hustle. It takes a lot. It, it, it's not an overnight kind of thing, like people think. What are some uh, things you've hurdled over? Sure, I, <laughs> I, I would say probably the biggest thing was learning how to let go and delegate, and know mm. that it's okay to let somebody else handle something. Um, you know, it, it's. You hear a lot of people talk about this all the time. As a matter of fact, uh, Brandon Turner says it all the time about, you know, stop doing these $10 tasks mm -hmm. and focus mm -hmm. on the $100 or the $1,000 tasks uh, per hour, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, I had so much trouble letting go of these tiny $10 an hour tasks that it was it was kind of detrimental uh, to me because I was spending too much time on like like focused on editing the show, mm -hmm. uh, focused on making sure I'm posting on all my social medias, mm -hmm. focused on so many other things that I could have let other people do. That was the hardest thing for me because it took me six months to really get that through my head when I started the podcast to, to hire an editing team. Then it took me like another six, six to eight months to figure out I need to hire a VA to help me with my social media and help me with all this other stuff. So I can kind of let go of certain things and pay someone else to do it. And uh, one of the things that really helped me out with that was when I started reading traction and it mm -hmm. like, it made me realize I, I need to start letting go of certain things and I don't need to be the CEO of everything, right? <laughs> I don't need to sit here and be the guy that's in charge of A, B, C, and D. Maybe I just need to do C. Or maybe I just need to do D. Like all this other stuff, I can pass that down. And that was a very hard thing for me to to give. I, I, I guess maybe for me, it's it's lose. I felt like I'm losing control of something. And if it's not, you know, something that's coming directly from me, I feel like it's not a hundred percent the right product. And I had to get over that. Right. I had to trust other people to do their job, so I can focus more on the the things that are more important. Mm -hmm. yeah get rid yeah. of those ten dollar an hour guys you guys heard that he mentioned the book traction great book i highly recommend it too at the very end they have a training it's called the eos system it costs a ton of money so uh you can read the book first obviously get a value out of out of just the book itself and it's one of my it was my early on reads that helped me scale too in this business um traction and vivid vision to uh, two great books that core correlate with each other that just help you scale and that's what he, um you know that's what you're talking about here it's the scaling our business and taking ourselves out of so many positions um you know a little bit behind how i scaled too was the same thing is i used to go to home depot and i used to uh, do all these ten dollar an hour jobs thinking you're saving money you know by doing the work yourself and when really it's costing you money, because what is your time valued at? What is your time? Is your time valued at, you know, finding new clients, finding new deals, finding uh, houses or, or deals, you know, or is it going to Home Depot or editing videos, you know? So 
what did you guys time value that? Remember that <laughs> my little <laughs> tip on the side here, but uh, what is, uh, what's your portfolio look like today? And I, I mean, I know some of your stuff of how you use your HELOC and stuff. You want to explain to people how they can use an HELOC and kind of the process of that works. And people sometimes don't realize that they have money from, you know, HELOC sitting in a house that they could be used and put it to work. You know, what is sure. that? What is your, what did you do with your years and yeah. so forth? So I, so I'm an LP in three um, real estate syndications. The first one I got into after selling one of my, uh, I sold a duplex in Chesapeake, Virginia that I had. And I took the money from that and got into my first syndication deal. The next two that I got into, I said, you know, I've got all this equity in my house and um, I'm not doing anything with it. And it's just kind of sitting there when it could be making me money. So then I took out a home equity line of credit and I put that into two more syndications. And what I do is I take the money from the syndications, the distributions that I get from even from the first one as well. I take all three of those and I put it right back into the HELOC, right? Mm -hmm. um, I do this uh, method right now. It's called um, velocity banking. And I'm actually doing something called the shred method where you can uh, you, you can use it on investment accounts mm -hmm. or you can use it on your your own personal mortgage as well. Uh, but it's where you you take the equity in your home and you basically turn your home into a checking account, right? I turned it into a giant checking account slash credit card, whatever you want to call it, right? But what I do is every time I get paid a distribution, um, a commission, my you know paycheck from the Navy, which soon to be will be my pension and disability, right? All of that money, every time I get it, I dump it right into my HELOC. And then I take my HELOC and I pay all my bills. I pay all my expenses uh, for the month, everything. Um, usually, actually, I put it all on a, on a credit card to get the points. And then I pay the credit card off right away before interest hits. Um, but I do that um, and use the HELOC as my checking account. And I watch how you know it goes up as I put my expenses in. And then when I take all my paycheck and stuff and put it in, it goes down further than where, where it was before. Right. And mm -hmm. then it kind of goes back up again as I pay off my expenses. And then it goes down further as I dump everything back into it. The other thing I do with that too, is I start chunking down my mortgage. And as I'm chunking down my mortgage, I, I don't want to pay off my house early. Like a lot of people use this method to pay off their house in five to seven years. I don't want to do that. I want to maybe no. get halfway down mm -hmm. so I can have about, you know, 500 to 800,000 in equity, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to do that. And then what I do is I go back to the lender and I say, hey, you can see I paid down my mortgage another $100,000. I'd like to raise my line of credit limit up another $100,000. And they say, oh, Mr. Cavagioni, yes, we, we do see that you paid this down another $100,000. We're going to go ahead and raise your limit. Mm -hmm. And now what happens there is I just increase my liquidity, right? And that's the whole point of that. And that's what I like about that is as, as I'm chunking it down and then paying it down at the same time, you know, if that good deal swings by or another uh, syndication that I'm really interested in and I'm like, oh man, where am I going to get this money from? Oh, I've got all this liquid right here mm -hmm. in my HELOC. I could pull it out and dump right into it, right? So let's now, back that up. A lot of people don't realize sure, that yeah. equity correlates to liquidity, correlates to cash. So having a lot of equity, a lot of value, a lot of whatever you want to call it, it's called equity in your house, correlates, I can now, he can, Mike can now just pull that cash out and put it to work when something comes available and little asterisk to that all, that money should be spent towards something that's going to generate you money back. Don't be right. buying a 
TV or a, you know, a, a, something that's going to lose you money, you know, or a it car. should be. Unless you're putting it on Turo. <laughs> yeah, unless you the Turo with the- uh, It's with, going um, on Turo and you're going to get a profit, so. <laughs> with Mike over there, with the, the other Mike. Or uh, was it Mike, Mike the other uh, Turo yep, guy? Yep. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The other Mike. Yeah. Yep. But um, yeah, so sorry, I didn't want to cut in. I just wanted to break it down. Sometimes yeah. people don't understand some of the things that we lingo that we're so used to, you know, equity and some of those but then I also I also want to add something into that you know just like anything else any any investment is a risk but also doing it this method this velocity banking method mm-hmm. is there's also risk in that too right uh, the bank could come out and say you know or your lender can come back and say hey uh, we want to call this uh, due because you know the way the economy's going so we're not going to let you borrow anymore and then what they do is they just turn it into a regular loan at that point and you just have to keep making your payments right. Um, so it, it's just something that you have to keep in mind. Uh, but you know, the last time that happened was 2008, 2009 timeframe. And, yeah. uh, I don't think, uh, we're going to see that actually happen. Um, you, you see a lot of the lenders are getting stricter with their requirements for you to take out a HELOC. They want to know that you have a lot of backup. Um, but as long as you do, uh, you know, it's, it's, you should still be able to get it. And there's some really great, like intro rates that you get and everything, and a lot of people concerned, you know, they say, hey, you know, I got this interest, uh, you know, this intro rate for four or five years. I'm worried about what's what it's going to look like four or five years from now, you know, uh, what my interest rate's going to be. And I'm like, well, you know, at that point, you just go and apply for a new one and pay off that one and yeah. put it all into that one. If, if you don't get a good one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or honestly, you know, interest rates with where they are at right now might be better in four or five years based <laughs> off of that intro rate that you got. So yeah. um, th- there's a lot of stuff you could do to play with this. Um, and and it's, it's a strategic thing, right? So as long as you're strategic about it and you're yeah. paying attention to what you're doing, um, it could be a very lucrative way to, to continue investing um, using you're for, you're your forcing equity. yourself. You're forcing yourself to pay it down quickly. You're forcing yourself to be yeah. strategic on how you, spend your money you know you're not going to want to pull it out of your little things like your mindset now you don't want to pull it out of a heloc and spend your money so it's like it's like a good self-discipline uh away of it all and obviously you're using it to generate wealth and generational wealth as well and um yeah people are always scared and even right now you know the big thing i see with loans right now is is uh, doing an arm a three-year or five-year arm i just talked to somebody about it and she was super scared about doing a, a three or five year arm. Uh, and I was like, what, what, what are you scared for? She's like, well, I don't know where it's going to be in three to five years. I'm like, it's not about that time now. It's about the time right now. You got to be focused on three to five years. No one knows, but um, you, you, there's so much different options you can do with, with loans and lending. And there might be some new program that's out then. Um, you know, with lending and loans, there's so much, all these different options that people, people want to work and the banks want to work with you too. The banks are not out to, to get you, you know, the banks want to make money too. So they want to keep the loans going. They wanted you to have your best, you know, possibility too. started investing in real estate. Like when I, when I bought my first home, uh, that was, you know, a product that was available at the time, uh, and interest rates were higher. My, my first home that I bought, I think I was at like a six something interest mm-hmm. rate. It was, it was pretty nasty. Right. Uh, or for what people would say is like kind of rough, which is, it's like what it is right now. It's normal. But it's normal. 
I never, yeah, I never, I never would even have considered a, a, a three, you know, a three slash five or anything like that, because I felt like, oh, I don't, I don't know what this is going to, you know, look like in, in, you know, in three years. And now, like, since I've started investing, it's kind of like, man, I think those are a great program, at least as a, from a real estate investor standpoint, right? I'm like, these are fantastic programs because I know I can come in at a lower interest rate, save money up front. And then, you know, three years from now, either refinance it at a newer rate or do a cash out refi or whatever, mm -hmm. right? They're, like there's so many opportunities and so many different things you can do uh, and so many different products out there that, man, I mean, take, take whatever opportunity you can to get the deal. If the, if the numbers work and the deal is good, mm -hmm. use whatever loan program you have to use to freaking make it happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As we talked at the very beginning of the interview, like always the best time to buy is real estate is now. I mean, you just look smart when you own it for like five, 10, 15 years. And in Hawaii, actually, they in three years, real estate just goes up. I mean, I don't want to guarantee you that, but three to five years, I'm pretty certain that that thing will be up more 100 grand, 200 grand. Like my stuff has been moving up 100 grand every year about so. That's another yeah. huge thing about buying, buying and whatever now in, in Hawaii in general is, is well, uh, you look at the rates and everything, but go ahead and say, you can, you can just look at the, the history and just look at the trends, right? So you don't, you don't have to sit here and give a guarantee, right? But you could say, Hey, look, look at the history, look at what Hawaii's done over the last 10 years. Look at, you know, look at what a five-year period would do. Or if you're military and you're moving here for three years, look what could possibly happen in three years. Right. Mm -hmm. And where it normally trends. Right. So if you can average that out and you feel comfortable that you would, you know, turn a profit on a three year, you know, tour yeah. here in Hawaii as a military yeah. guy. I mean, that VA loan is a, is a thing of beauty at, mm -hmm. at that point. And it's an extra easy hundred grand, easy, easy uh, in three years. Guarantee you'll make uh, extra hundred grand, um, which is a silent bank account. A lot of people don't realize owning real estate. It's like a silent bank account that just keeps on going up and up. So that bank account, that equity keeps just going up and uh, you can use that. Often how I do my flips and so forth is we buy real estate, whatever way we can, whatever if I have to bring investors, if I have to buy cash, whatever way I can, I get a hold of it now. And then you kind of figure it out later. Am I going to sell it? Am I going to refinance it? You know, it's almost better to get a deal now and figure it out later, get control now and deal later with it all. Cause especially if you yeah. see a deal, you know, deals often come when you're not ready. Deals often come in big ways for me when I'm not ready for a bunch of deals it's kind of combined. It doesn't come <laughs> neat and pretty how we would expect it sometimes. And that's the name right. of the game. Yeah. Which is, which is why I do velocity banking to have that liquidity. So mm -hmm. when the deal comes, when I least expect it, it's like, well, okay, I've got the money right here. Let's make it happen. Right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Let's jump into uh, one of your other businesses. We we're just talking about before we jumped on here and what you're starting up now. I know it's almost about to start up, but um, uh, you want to tell people out there who's interested in um, about your, um, your pop-up and so forth. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so right now pre-sales are up. You can buy a pre-sale voucher for almost half off what the normal price would be for one of these things. But um, it's it's pretty neat. It's a it's a pop up nightclub. 
right? It's a 20 by 20. So it's rather large. So you have to have some room in your yard to make this happen. But it's it's a, uh, you know, it comes with the the pop-up tent. Uh, it comes with the the lights, the smoke machine, uh, and the uh, speakers for you. You set up whatever music you want. And in the future, we're going to have DJs as well, where you can get a, a package deal and hire a DJ at the same time. Um, so it's it's a pretty cool thing. Um, everyone that I've showed this to so far is really excited about it. I know a bunch of people that are already like, let me know because we want to throw a party as soon as these things get in. Uh, but right now the business is planning to go officially live where you can actually um, have physically rent these uh, December 2nd. So mm -hmm. it'll be right now I'm starting off as just like a Friday and Saturday night rentals because you keep them overnight, right? Because it is a nightclub. So I figured, you know, it's this is for you going to be partying throughout the night, right? Yeah. But uh, it, it's pretty neat. And, um, you know, we'll pick them up the next morning and Friday and Saturday nights you can get them. And then, uh, you know, we, we might expand to other other weekdays but we'll see but right now that's what we're going to stick to um but it's just a really neat little fun yeah. uh, experience and it's a safer experience too like if you're throwing a party and you don't want to host something at like a at a huge club uh where there's you know other potential whatever that can happen yeah, you know yeah. you can have the party right there in your backyard i think it's a great idea i have a friend who yeah. makes a killing with the, the bouncy houses and so forth and some of those things they're just fully booked out all the time so hopefully that's a good problem to have <laughs> to be yeah, fully booked absolutely in. yeah yeah um well let's leave with uh, what's some of the best advice you can uh, share with somebody that wants to get started in real estate investing and just this journey what is the some advice you can you know obviously we have a lot of newbies that come on and they're always asking for advice what would you think would be the kind of the best advice of how to start Okay, I think for anything, uh, whether you want to get into real estate investing or anything else, I have I have what I call these four pillars to building wealth, right? And uh, you, you and I have talked about this mm -hmm. on when you were on my podcast as well, and it's very similar to what you talk about. Um, and I I think that just shows how important some of this stuff is, right? Uh, but the very first one is education. So if you want to get into something, you want to get into real estate investing learn about the particular thing you want to get into. If you want to start buying single family homes for renting them out, educate yourself on them, learn the market, learn the area that you want to invest in, right? Learn what you need to do, what kind of loan products are out there, what kind of, um, you know, local laws that might affect you if you were to buy properties in that area, learn about section eight and things like that, right? Things that can all, all different avenues that can help you with single family homes. If you want to get into multifamily, learn about multifamily. There's multiple companies out there that have online presentations that are free, right? You can go sit in on these Zoom calls and learn what these guys are doing and uh, get a really good idea that way, right? The other piece of that is mentorship and coaching. Find yourself a good mentor, um, you know, that can that you can look up to that that is doing what you want to do, right? I think that's super important. But the other piece too if you really want to hold yourself accountable and you really want to make sure that you're going to go out there and make it happen, hire a coach. Okay. Uh, so there's a difference between mentorship and coaching, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, and, and having that coach, that accountability person, that's going to kick you in the butt and say, Hey, stupid, do this, not that, right? Like, don't, don't do all this other nonsense. Focus on what your goal and your ambition is. Right. So mentorship and coaching, I think is huge. Mm -hmm. The third pillar 
that that is really huge is, and they're all huge, right? But networking and building relationships. It's one thing to go out to real estate meetups and meet other people, right? And network. But the other thing that's super important about that piece is actually building relationships with those people that you meet. Don't just save their phone number. Don't just be a contact, you know, plan stuff, get out there and, and talk with them more, interact on social media, uh, you know, wish them a happy birthday when you know it's their birthday or, you know, it's their anniversary coming up or something. The little things like that will will keep a mm -hmm. positive view of you in the back of their head so that when they do have a deal that comes up and they need a partner, you know, one of the people they might think about might be that person that's kept that constant contact with them. Like you're always pushing that button, right? Um, so that's huge. The fourth and final one uh, is the most important one because those other three don't matter if you don't do this and I it's take action. Say. Yeah. Yeah. It's take action, yeah. man. And, uh, and if you hired that coach, they're going to help kick you in the butt to make sure that you take that action, but taking action is huge. And sometimes it can be the first step, but you'll wind up getting your education while you're doing it because you're going to, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to pay. Um, and that is an education piece. You're going to wind up realizing you need to hire a coach or find a mentor and you're going to be forced to get out there and meet other people and network. So taking action can also be the first step, but you could probably save yourself a little grief and money if you follow those other three steps first and then take action. That's so true. I mean, uh, I can line item step by step on how to flip a house, but if you don't take the action to do it, it's all worthless. You know, uh, it's, there's a thing about, uh, was it, I forget the saying it's doers and, uh, I forget what it is, but, um, I, and you know, I was talking about on your podcast, that's what separates even the uh, normal investor guys from Brandon Turner, these high level guys, they just take massive action, like tons of action, you know, and then I'm want to say I'm below him and I take action too. And then there's normal people below and normal people. It's just, they take more and more action as the- And then way higher. under all that, you have me. <laughs> yeah, right. So, no, no, no. You're no. the bottom. <laughs> Everyone takes action. Everyone does take action yeah. is what I'm getting at. It's just 100%. people figure out how to take more action and then how to, as you are doing, actually talking about using your VAs and using other people to help you take more action that you- you know, you can't do in it today. So that's all that scaling and growing and leveling up in this business is, is figuring out how to take action, take more action, and then allow yourself to take more action without you having to do it with, you know, hiring a team and VAs and so forth, which is, yeah. And you I know, love, and I, I, I just want to add something to the, to the back end of that, you know, like if you live in the United States, you have so much opportunity to, to make things like this happen. So, and, and since I'm talking to people that live in the U S I'm going to say, you know, be an American, not an American go out <laughs> yeah. there and make it happen. Yeah. It's so true mindset. Yeah. Mindset. It's if you're a naysayer and you say you can't do this and you can't find good rentals in, uh, in our, in Hawaii, or you can't find a flip, you can't Hawaii's too expensive is what I used to get. Um, you're right. You're hundred percent. If you can't, you can't. But if you say you can, it all starts there and it's all a mindset shift. And I'm guilty of it too. Constantly, we're trying to keep myself in that, that movement forward mindset. So I'm always trying to one, uh, clear my mind of things that I don't need to be thinking about, uh, stresses, you know, for say, uh, projects that may be eating me up. I need to get that off my mind so I can think bigger. And, and to what can I 
allow myself to think bigger and to do to do more because we can all do more in life we can all push um you know it's all our own comfort levels of course but um yeah some good good stuff oh and talking about education shameless plug we do got an actually an education program coming out here hopefully in another month we're actually building it as we speak um because uh I get a lot of people want to learn about flipping and about real estate. So shameless plug to our education. We have coming out here shortly just for Hawaii people or U.S. in general. I just want to take a quick second. And if you're enjoying our content, please subscribe below. I love it if you guys can leave us a review or a comment or let me know what you guys thought. I love honest feedback and I love hearing what you guys think. So in this segment, we're going to have we have a question that we have a lot of questions that people comment and so forth. And uh, one of the questions that we had is, um, do I have to be an accredited investor to start investing in real estate? And how should I get started? And what's the very minimum I can invest to start? So do you want to touch on that question? Because I know you've been an LP, you've invested sure. and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I guess that that could be a very uh, common misconception, right? Especially if somebody that wants to get into real estate syndications and be a an LP or a passive investor. A lot of people are like, well, I, I'm not accredited. I don't, you know, meet the requirements to be able to invest with just any, um, you know, team or or group that's doing this. Well, guess what? You don't have to invest with just any team or any group, right? Mm -hmm. The important thing is that you go out there and you meet some of these people. You start building these relationships. And guess what? Once you have a pre-established relationship with an investing team or somebody on that team, right, you can actually be a sophisticated investor and invest with them if they have one of those offerings available, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you'll see some of the people that are just starting off as syndicators um, are offering 501Bs, right? Which those are the ones where you can actually invest uh, as, a, as a sophisticated investor. I think they could take on, I think, 34 or 35 sophisticated 35. investors yep. uh, in those deals, right? And you, you don't have to um, be accredited, right? So that's mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things. The other thing though, is like they can't advertise that. So you're only gonna find these deals by actually going out and meeting these people. So that's why I say networking is such an important piece. But once you go to a couple of their Zoom meetings, you establish rapport, you establish a relationship, you can look at potentially investing with them. Um, as long as the deal makes sense to you as well, because you've mm -hmm. got to do your own due diligence. You can't just trust anything that operators tell you, right? So, but anyway, uh, normally you're looking at a minimum uh, investment of $50,000. Uh, some, uh, some of them will come down to 25,000. It just depends on which, you know, what you're looking at and if they have enough room to add a $25,000 sophisticated investor. Cause normally, you know, sometimes if the raise is quite large, they might not want to go that low. So normally the minimum you'll see is 50 K, but if you have 50 K lying around and you're not doing anything with it, you know, maybe look at potentially putting it into a syndication so that it, that money can work for you and, and grow. Uh, and one of the beautiful things about that is the entire time you're getting these distributions, right? You're getting paid all your interest on it. And then at the end, you know, three to five years later, depending on who you're investing with, they'll either refinance, cash out refinance and pay you back what you put into it, or they'll sell the asset and pay you back what you put into it. Plus, uh, depending on what 
uh, what level you invested in. If you're a class A preferred return or class A2, or, you know, it depends on who you're investing with, what they label it as, right? You can also get a significant return on the back end as well. And essentially almost double your money or double your money pretty much every three to five years, right? And if you do enough of these and, and you get yourself into a nice cycle here, um, you'll be setting yourself up in the future where you're constantly getting these payouts and being able to reinvest it into something else, uh, maybe keeping half of it and reinvesting the rest. And uh, it's, a, it's a good way to, to kind of live your life if you're getting 50 grand back every quarter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great. I mean, so the syndicating model is great. And they're three to five years yeah. are really great. To, we actually have investors come in and invest on our flip and our flips are normally six months to a year and they're very quick. So we don't have a minimum on our flips and uh, they're pretty uh, quick, straightforward. A flip is very easy to understand. <laughs> we buy, we buy it for yeah, low. That's that, I mean, we it's another great way. Yeah. So. It's another great way for somebody if they have capital lying around and they're not yeah. sure what to do is they can help, you know, flippers and help them fund their deals and, yeah. and their renovations and stuff, you know, do, do a little bit of private lending there. You can get a really nice return there as well. Yeah. The private lending is always uh, helpful to any flipper and that's how you scale in any business. Um, but yeah, you, you can get started anyway. Actually, check out our landing page, indarhawaii.com, and you can see about some of our projects. We just got locked up, I think, two. I think we got locked up in today and yesterday. So we have some projects on there ourselves. Um, super excited about those. So yeah, thank you, Mike, for having us. Or thank you for <laughs> having you, having me. I don't know what we're at. We just did our, we did our, I was on your podcast and we did our, uh, meet up and then we did another podcast so it's great hanging out and we got you know actually i went to your event too actually <laughs> as well yeah, so yeah. we got uh, to know each other really quickly there and uh, it's great to hang out with like-minded people obviously it's just great to talk story and to be around people with um same mindset and uh, i love all the the things you're talking about and so forth and super blessed to just call you a new friend it was awesome having you and if Anyone wants to follow Mike, you, where can you be followed at? What's yeah, your... 100%. So first, I, I want to say, Indar, thank you so yeah. much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. Um, the past couple of things have been awesome having you on my show. Um, you know, <laughs> you coming to my event, me going to your event, and you invited me to be a speaker. It was, it was really a treat, and I had a great time. Um, and it's funny how these relationships work, right? I've known you on social media for a while now, and then actually meeting a person, and then everything kind of just roller coasters. Um, it's, it's just, it's just awesome, man. And that's one of the great things about being in this community. Uh, but to find me, it's very, I'll make it very simple for you. It's my name, Mike Cavagioni.com, M-I-K-E-C-A-V-A-G-G-I-O-N-I.com. And there you can find links to everything, my podcast, my real, my real estate agent page, uh, my new pop-up club business, everything's there. Um, you can check everything out and feel free to reach out to me anytime on social media or shoot me an email. I'd be happy to talk with you. Yes, guys, please like and comment on both our social media. Just write messages on there, guys. I swear when I was brand new, I didn't know nothing. I didn't know even some of the lingo. So there's no bad questions is what I'm getting at. So please comment, message us. Uh, love, we love to give back and love to talk story and, and just to help each other because honestly, it could help us in the long run as well too. So feel free to go on there and comment and and any social media platform on both of us. Um, 
thank you guys so much for listening and thank you mike for having us on thank you for having you on our show i'm lost at this point um thank, thank you. you for having me on <laughs> there you go. one of the shows um so thank you guys and uh awesome you guys have a great day and aloha